We're going to go ahead and get started. So, welcome everyone to Royal Oak Community Church. I am Beth Bascom, and I'm going to facilitate tonight. We also have on our helping staff here, John Acanero, who's our techie, and my husband Rodney, who's our behind-the-scenes, make-everybody-comfortable kind of thing. Um, and someone asked earlier, why are you doing this? And I'll just repeat that. Um, Royal Oak Community Church, we are committed to educating our children, supporting our families in the community, and reaching out into our community. And so when we started to ask ourselves, what can we do to help families during this crisis, we thought, oh, families are in a really hard place right now trying to make decisions about what they're going to do for schooling for their children in this coming year. And so we thought, well, we can at least try to pull together information and present the information so that families can make an informed decision. So that's what we're going to do. Tonight, we are focusing on homeschooling. And so we're going to just dive right into that. So if we can have our first slide up there. Okay, so what does homeschooling look like? Well, if you can imagine it, that's what it can look like. Because no home to no two homeschooling situations are the same. So let's just look at what it could look like. It could look very much like a traditional classroom. Desks, textbooks, writing. Or it could look more like a Montessori classroom, a rich environment that incites your child's wonder and natural desire to learn. It could be outdoors. I know one family who, for their kindergartner, that's where his classroom was every day. Regardless of the weather, he was outdoors. And you ask, well, how did he learn to read and write and do math? He did. Okay, he just did it outdoors and using nature and all the things you can find outdoors. It could involve, it could look like traveling. I, I have a wonderful two boys who I tutored in math for a year and their family sold their home, bought a motor home and have been traveling throughout the country for the last year. Um, their children do their homeschooling same time and they're getting to see our our beautiful country and, and enjoy that. Could I have the next slide, please? It may look very much like um, STEM, for those of you who wonder what that is, like I did at one point. That's science, technology, engineering, and math. Or STEAM, add in art. And it could be that the whole homeschooling kind of revolves around 
those STEM activities, adding in reading and writing and literature as appropriate. It could be um, led very much by your child's interest. Okay, maybe he's really interested in insects. And so your homeschool has revolved around that ins insects and maybe it's a lot of field trips. Or it could be um, a unit study or theme-based. Maybe you want to explore Egypt, okay, or ancient history, and all of it comes around there. So what does it look like? Well, question mark, whatever you create, and it will work. And when it doesn't quite work, you just fine-tune it because none of it's poured into cement. So that's, a, that's just a, a kind of an introduction to what it might look like. So what, let's look at homeschooling curriculum. And there are several different types. One is a complete curriculum or sometimes called an all-in-one or sometimes called boxed. Okay, it's, you get everything you need, many times with even directions on what to do kind of each day. Other types of curriculum are theme-based or unit studies, and you can choose from those. Many of those are created in such a way that the whole family can engage in them with different students, different children, um, coming in at different levels, okay, and experiencing um, the same basic information at a variety of levels. Some curriculums have individual studies. So in other words, you might choose science from this curriculum and math from this curriculum and English from this curriculum. There are even some programs for high school students that have dual credit. Means that they can study at during their high school year, they can actually get college credit from their, from their curriculum. Your curriculum also can take different perspectives. For example, it can be a totally secular one, okay? in which case you will get basically what a child would get in a um, public school setting in terms of a perspective there. Some of them will say that they have a world view and that's their perspective. Um, primarily saying that we are going to take a perspective from many different parts of the world and, and different things. And one that's very popular, especially in this area, is a Christian perspective, which could be general. It could be more specific, such as Protestant or Catholic or Methodist or whatever. And your homeschooling curriculum can also take different formats. A very traditional 
One would be textbooks and workbooks, where each subject has its own textbooks and workbooks. Other curriculums have what they call real books, which basically means that, for example, um, say you were studying early American history, US history, you might, if you were doing a textbook format, then you would have a textbook that would talk about and give you information on the founding fathers. Okay. A curriculum that uses real books would be giving you biographies of the founding fathers. Your older student might read the Federalist Papers. Okay. So that's why they call them real books, okay? Some of your formats, which is becoming very popular with COVID-19, is online. And you have an opportunity to go online. Some students work fine with online learning, especially older students and independent learners. Also could be DVDs, although that's tending to phase out as online becomes, that technology becomes better. And some of your curriculum will have a combination. Okay, so you may be drawing from many or all of these different formats. Your curriculums are also going to take an educational approach. Your traditional approach tends to be textbooks for each subject. What probably most of us experienced when we were in school. Okay. Textbooks, workbooks, worksheets for each subject. A name that'll come up frequently for you is Charlotte Mason. And she, um, she adheres to the rich literature, uh, real book approach. She has a philosophy that says that children, um, children's, children should be respected and given not only um, rich material, but also should be um, allowed to have some say in what they're learning and how they're learning. Um, you also have an electic approach, which is a variety of teaching styles determined by the child's learning style. And something you might want to look into is how does your child learn? Um, oh, and right now I'm thinking of a book, and we'll put it on the website because I don't remember the author's name. Maybe somebody does. Um, the Way Your Child Learns. Okay, I'll put that on the, on the website. Um, and then there's the classical approach, which basically works towards more important on teaching a child how to think and how to learn rather than needing to zero on a specific um, amount of content. And 
we're going to, we're, we're privileged tonight to have someone from Classical Conversations here with us. Rose Locke is going to come up and share with us um, more about Classical Conversations. Um, good evening. Uh, I'm not sure I need a microphone. I could talk to you without it, but I know they're recording it, so I will use it. Um, I think I need a timer. I didn't want to bring my phone up here. Can somebody wave at me in 15 minutes? Okay, that would be great, because I could talk about classical conversations all day. Um, <laughs> I, I'll just introduce myself to you a little bit. My name is Rose Locke, and I am the support representative for classical conversations in the northern Shenandoah Valley. Classical Conversations is a national organization. Uh, it started about 25 years ago in someone's basement, um, and she felt like she wanted to have the opportunity for her children to have discussions about the material they were learning with other people. And so she started inviting people into her home to read the same books as her children and to study the same material as her children. Her name is Lee Bortons and she lives in North Carolina. Her son Robert, who was part of that original group, is now the, the CEO of Classical Conversations. And you can go to classicalconversations.com to learn all about that. And I'll just tell you a little bit of my story. Um, I've been homeschooling my children for 17 years. Uh, hopefully I don't look old enough to have children that old, but I do. Um, my daughter just graduated from Liberty University with a degree in music education. Um, she's going to be a public school teacher, and she never spent a day in public school. She spent her days with me. Uh, when she was in high school, she um, intimated that she wanted to be a public school music teacher because she feels a ministry to students who don't have parents at home who can homeschool them in a Christian methodology. And so I did, um, when she was in high school, I have friends who are music educators, and I was able to allow her to volunteer in their classrooms because I didn't think she could get into a music education program never having set foot in a public school. So she did that. She volunteered with my friends, and now she's at Liberty University. And one of the things I like to tell people about my daughter and classical education is I got a text from her when she was a sophomore in college, and the text said, Mom, the best thing you ever did for me was teach me how to debate. At the time, the New York Reproductive Health Act had just been passed, and her friends in college and she were in the dining hall debating the New York Reproductive, New York Reproductive Health Act. And um, if any of you travel in Christian circles, you know that there was a great deal of controversy regarding that and the right to life. And so she and her friends would argue about it um, at conservative Christian university. And... My daughter, because she had been classically educated and knew how and where to find the material, she went online, she read the entire New York Reproductive Health, the Reproductive Rights Health Act, and then she was able to have conversations with her friends, not regurgitating the information that people had shared with her on Facebook, but instead sharing with them what the bill actually said. And she sent me a text when she was a sophomore thanking me for that. So I will just really quickly, um, if you look at the information that I gave you, this is really a short, brief introduction to what Classical Conversations is. On Thursday evening at 7 o'clock, I will be hosting a Zoom information meeting, which will really go in-depth about our methodology and our programs. And I gave you a handout that provides my email, rlock at classicalconversations.com, and you can email me to register for that meeting if you want to hear more. Um, so, we are a classical 
Christian community. So she was talking earlier about worldview. Our worldview is a Christian worldview. It's a biblical worldview. We um, allow students from any denomination or from any theological bent to join our communities. You do not have to be a Christian to be in our communities. However, to lead in our communities, to be a parent tutor in our communities, you must have agreed to the classical conversation statement of faith, which is a typical um, evangelical statement of faith, which again, you can access at classicalconversations.com. Or if you wanna ask me about it later tonight, I can share that with you so you can see. Um, again, not every student in the program will adhere to that, and not every parent in the program will, but anyone who's in leadership will adhere to that. Um, we are classical, and you heard her do a delightful explanation of what classical education is. I'm so much more concerned that my daughter be able to read the latest legislation that just um, July 1st, our governor in Virginia signed uh, several pieces of legislation. You might know what all of them say, and you might not. However, my daughter will know how to go to the correct place. She will know how to read the information that she finds there. She will know how to look up the words that she doesn't understand, and she will know the questions to ask about how to apply that legislation to her life because my daughter was classically educated. I have two boys, by the way. I don't wanna just talk about my daughter, but my daughter is key to my classical conversations journey. I did everything. I did Charlotte Mason. Uh, if any of you, the well-trained mind, Susan Weisbauer, when first language lessons first came out, I was one of the first people in line at the Heave Convention to buy it, and I sat in a seminar 10 minutes later and heard Susan Weisbauer talk about that book. I did KONOS, which is a unit study curriculum. We did a unit study on spies. We did um, a unit study on... Um, I was trying to think we did a really fun one. We did Greek and had a Greek party and invited all of our friends. And I did all kinds of things when my kids were little. But what happened was I got to high school and I went, I can teach my kid or I can plan what I want to teach my kid or I can record keep for my kid, but I can't keep, I can't do all three. I just can't. I've worked full time, just so you know it is possible. Um, I've worked full-time the whole time I've been educating my kids. Sometimes it was three part-time jobs, but it's always been 40 to 50 hours a week. My husband has worked full-time the entire time I've been educating my children. Um, we've both had flexible schedules. My husband works nine to five pretty much, Monday through Friday. I worked a lot of nights and weekends. Um, and that's how our family worked it. It worked for us, it is possible. Um, but I couldn't do it all anymore. Rachel was going to be in ninth grade. And so I had friends who were doing classical conversations, but like most uh, home educators, I'm a little rebellious and I'm a little against doing like the latest trend. That's not, that's not my bent. That's not my personality. So I ran into a friend at karate class and she was, um, I was telling her my angst about high school because I was worried that I wouldn't keep the records well. I'm not an administrator. I was worried that she wouldn't be ready for college. I was worried about what does high school mean? And if I commit to ninth grade, can I put her back in? All the same worries that you all have. And um, so my friend said, you really should go check out Classical Conversations, Rose. I think you'd be a good fit. So I went to my first information meeting and I was sold. Hook, line, and sinker, okay? Um, so if you look at this um, paper, you will see that you will see some statistics 
that show you what happens with our graduates, um, our ACT scores, our SAT scores. I know some of you are very concerned about those things because you want to make sure that your children are educated and educated well. I will tell you those were not my concerns. My concerns are for the character of my children, that my children um, know God and that they love God, that they love other people that they're raised in an environment where they're supported and they're allowed to explore and ask questions, but in a safe way. So there's the statistics for those of you who are concerned about those things. Up in the right-hand corner is more what I was concerned about. And that is that God was the center of all subjects and all subjects are related. Classical conversations can encourages conversation. Um, so we might start our math seminar actually talking about what happened earlier that day in Latin. Because what do Latin and math have in common? Does anybody know? We'll have a conversation here. What do math and Latin have in common? Okay, they're both logical. Thank you very much. By the way, logic is a very important part of a classical curriculum because we want to teach the kids how to think. So that means they need to be able to recognize is an argument logical or is it not logical. So as part of our curriculum, we do spend three years in logic. Okay, so they're both logical. What else do math and Latin have in common? Don't be afraid. There's no right or wrong. See, the beauty of, of the beauty of doing it in conversation is there is no right or wrong answer. Kids, what do math and Latin have in common? They're, they're, both, they're both school subjects. That's excellent commonality, yes. So then I might ask my students, I might say, well, why do we study them in school? And so our education becomes more about a conversation. And you can see you all already popped up. You all wanted to hear what everybody has to say. By the way, in my classroom, hopefully, by the end of Challenge 2, I direct Challenge 2, which is the um, sophomore level. Um, by the end of Challenge 2, hopefully, my students will be able to say to me that math and Latin have in common that they both are very, very, very pattern-based. And in one, we're looking at the patterns in language and language development. In the other, we're looking at patterns in numbers and sequences. Um, and when you start to understand that, when you start to understand that, it's, I get so excited and passionate about it. When you start to understand that math and Latin are the same, you can't say anymore, I'm bad at math. Or I'm if you're good at Latin, you're good at math. If you're good at math, you're good at Latin. And so we start to open the students' ideas to the idea that that all of these subjects are intertwined, and that points to the fact that there is a creator, right? Because how could all of these separate things have the commonality of patterns if they hadn't been created by our Lord and God creator? So that's, that's classical conversations. Um, what a seminar, what you just experienced is what one of our seminars might look like. If you flip it over, you can see more the pattern of our classes. Basically, we have a level we call foundations. Foundations is for students who are 4 to 12 years old. They meet once a week for 24 weeks. They have a common curriculum. Um, we have what we call the Foundations Guide, and it contains thousands of pieces of information that have, divi have been divided into what we call three cycles. Um, so basically, it's a three-year rotation of material. So um, this year, it happens that this year we're doing cycle three. You can enter our program any 
of the cycles, but if you enter at the age of four, you will have done each cycle twice. What we do is we call it the grammar stage. If you um, are familiar at all with classical education terminology, we say that there are three roads to learning. We call it the trivium, tri from three, via, Latin from road, and um, I don't, the um comes from some Latin ending somewhere. I don't know, I'm not a Latin expert, that's for sure. I just kind of try to help my students through it. But um, uh, grammar is the first one. And what we do is we try to have the kids memorize as many things as we possibly can. We call them pegs. We pound them in there as tight as we can. We teach them things like a sentence is a, a group of words that expresses a complete thought. It begins with a capital letter and ends with a punctuation mark. We teach them things like about, above, across, after, against, along, amid, among, around, at, atop, before, right? Behind, below, beneath. This young lady knows it. Those are the prepositions, right? We teach them things like... Um, uh, it, we teach them a timeline every cycle. Age of, age of ancient empires, creation to the fall, the flood and the Tower of Babel, Mesopotamia and Sumer. It takes you 11 minutes to quote it. But the students can quote the entire history of the world from creation until the end of the timeline is, um, the last thing that happens on the timeline is uh, 2001. And then, oh, what, you have something? Go. Rising tide of freedom, thank you very much. He corrects me on my timeline. Um, I, I've only been doing classical conversations for eight of my 17 years of homeschooling, so, and I love challenge. So the second I could get my toe into challenge, I did, which means I'm a little weak on some of the foundations memory work, huh? Yeah, yeah, he's nodding his head. Um, and actually what they end with, what it actually ends with is all of the presidents of the United States through Donald Trump. So the students memorize all of those. So I can kind of do those. Washington, Adams, Jefferson, Madison, and Monroe. We teach them songs, we teach them, um, we teach them hand motions, we teach them how to memorize information. Then um, when they get to be nine, to 12 years old, we add essentials onto foundations. So those students attend foundations in the morning and usually attend essentials in the afternoon. Essentials is an intensive English grammar program um, that belongs to classical conversations. You cannot even purchase the material unless you are um, registered in a classical conversations program. We teach the students sentence patterns, subject, verb, direct object, subject, verb, indirect object, Subject, verb, indirect object, direct object. Um, oh, what do you call those things? A fanboy. A conjunction, and then another subject, verb, <laughs> indirect object. So we teach them sentence patterns so they can learn to write well. We also use the material from Institute of Excellence for Writing, which helps them learn how to take notes well, and then um, retell the information in their own words. Then they move into our challenge program, which is my heartbeat and my love. Challenge A. Um, a is kind of our 13-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 12-year-olds. Um, and challenge A, I call, uh, is foundations on steroids. The kids memorize the entire world. Their final exam, no, it's not a joke, seriously. I know it sounds funny. The final exam in challenge A, tell them, kids, some of you did challenge. What's the final exam in challenge A? Do you know? You didn't do challenge? Okay, the final exam in challenge A is here, have a giant sheet of paper and please draw the entire world for me. Then um, the, uh, the students um, also learn all of the parts of the body. So they spend a week on the respiratory system. They spend a week on the brain. They spend a week on um, different parts of the body. That's their science curriculum. Um, it is, then they start, 
what else do we do today? They start learning about analogies. Oh, I forgot to mention something that's really important about our programs. Uh, the third stage of the three roads is rhetoric, which is presentation skills. From the moment our students at the age of four step into a classical conversations program, they stand up in front of the class and give a presentation every single week. And so by the time you graduate from challenge four, you are actually leading the other students in the seminar. You take the material home, you read the material, you come to seminar, you ask the other students questions, you lead the conversation. So we move from show and tell, this is my watch, to, so what do you think about naturalism? What do you think about philosophy? Um, how do you compare a Christian worldview to a naturalist worldview? What exactly is the definition of humanism? Can you give some examples of art that reflect humanistic values? Those are the kinds of conversations that we're um, encouraging in our classrooms. Um, we also have added, we have a um, reciprocal agreement with a college. And so now as you're working through our programs in challenge th two, three, and four, you do your challenge material, you sign up through, I believe it's Southeastern University. You'll have to look on the website to confirm that. Um, you sign up through them. The work that you're already doing in challenge, you send to a professor who grades it, and you can graduate with an associate's degree from our challenge programs if you participate in that. So you do not have to go to your local community college and dual enroll. You can continue to be part of our programs. And the last thing I'll talk to you about is community, and then I will call it a night. Yes, I'm sorry. Oh, am I allowed to answer questions now, or is that for later? OK, sure. Go ahead. Yes. 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 Okay, so the question um, for those of you who are listening is my daughter Rachel, back to her. Um, what else besides her ability to debate well made her stand out at Liberty University? Um, I think that that's going to be a really challenging question for me to answer, um, partly because I wasn't there with her. Um, but one of the things I will say that Classical Conversations does is many people are concerned about homeschoolers socializing. And Classical Conversations, because we're in community every week with a different group of people, and many of them we've known our entire lives, we understand how to communicate with all different ages, and we understand how to communicate with people well. And one of the things that um, concerns my daughter is that sometimes homeschoolers can have the reputation for being socially awkward or socially backward. And I believe that what I saw in Classical Conversations was a love for all different kinds of people. And I believe that that's what we need to make sure our kids have, whether they're black or white, whether they're Hispanic, whether they speak English or don't speak English. So something that defines my daughter is her love for other people. Is that because of her classical education? I don't know. But I think it has to do with the fact that we do everything in community. My best friends are classical community, people that I've met through classical community. At my daughter's wedding shower, as she went around the room, she introduced people, and almost every single one of them was connected to us through classical conversations. And my, my daughter met her husband in classical conversations as well. So that's part of, you know part of our affinity for it, I would guess. And did you have another question? 
can one participate? Okay, so the, the second question is where in the Shenandoah Valley can one participate in classical conversations? We currently have a brand new classical conversations community that's starting in Strasbourg right now. That community is only going to have foundations and essentials programs. We currently have two campuses, two communities that are in Winchester. One of those communities meets on Tuesdays and one of those communities meets on Fridays. Um, the Tuesday community was meeting at the Winchester Church of God. However, that church is not open to um, outside groups at this time because of COVID. Um, and so they are currently going to be meeting at a local park until um, they can make other arrangements, but they will continue to meet on Tuesdays. The other community meets in Winchester, oh, and that community has foundations, essentials, challenge A, challenge B, and challenge one. The other community meets on Fridays at um, Blue Ridge Grace Brethren Church in Winchester, which is on um, Cedar Creek grade. And um, that's the community that I'm currently part of. We have foundations, essentials, challenge A, challenge B, Challenge one, challenge two, and challenge three. We do not currently have a challenge four in this part of the Shenandoah Valley. If you want to participate in a challenge four, I, we do have one family in our Winchester communities who drives to, I believe it's Percival. I call it the other side of the mountain. I don't, is it Percival? Percival, yeah. So um, there is a challenge four on the other side of the mountain. So there are also communities in Percival and there is a community in Charlestown, West Virginia, which is actually not that far away. There's a community in Warrenton. Um, all it would take to have a community right here in Front Royal is someone standing up and saying, I would like to direct that community. That's all we need. We have a lot of families from the Front Royal area who drive to Warrenton or who drive to Winchester to participate, but we would love to have a community right here. Um, our, our mission at Classical Conversations is to know God and to make him known. And we do that by loving these students and helping them learn how to think together in conversation. It's a beautiful thing. It is an educational philosophy. We don't, I don't even know what the SOLs say. I've been homeschooling for 17 years. Every once in a while I look them up. But, oh sure, sorry. An SOL is a standard of learning. Um, Virginia has its state standards of learning, but there's also, they call it Common Core, which is kind of a more national set of standards of things that they think people have to know to be educated. We prefer to say, let's teach people how to learn, and people will learn what they need to know. Um, and honestly, I, I'll just tell you a piece of my educational background. I was educated in the public school system. However, it was unique. Um, my mother is old, just like I'm an older mother, my mother was an older mother as well. My mother was classically educated. She took Latin and learned how to diagram sentences and logic and all those things that, that make up a classical education. Um, the teachers in the school system that I went to were my mother's peers. So my teachers had been classical, classically educated themselves. So even though I was educated under a modern education system, I had teachers who had been classically educated. So I did essay tests. I never did a, I never did a short, I never did an ABCD test. Because classical educators, we don't do those. What we do is we hand you white sheets of paper and we ask you questions and then you tell us what you think and how you think and why you think it. And then we talk about it together. So that's just a nutshell of classical conversations. If you want more, come to the meet, or it's on Zoom. So, you know, Zoom in with me on Thursday and I can tell you more. Um, and, if you have any questions for me, I'd be happy to ask. I did bring some curricular 
things. I brought catalogs, which are on this table, and I did bring some curriculum for you to look at um, if you want to just open a guide. Okay, thank you very much for your time this evening. Thank you so much, Rose. That was wonderful. You did a great job. So, all right, the next thing we're going to do is we're going to give um, you an opportunity um, to hear from a homeschooler and some homeschooled young people. So if you would all come up, we'll let the Elliott family sit over here. And Hi, Maria everybody. My name is Nina Elliott. Hello, uh, my name is Caleb Elliott. Hi, I'm Naomi. I'm Maria. Um, Maria, you got to hold it nice and close. Hi, I'm Maria Sunlow. <laughs> and I'm Samantha Bascom. Okay, thank you so much for being here. So we're going to go through everyone again. And for the young people, if you could just answer how old you are, how long you've been homeschooled, and then what you enjoy about homeschooling and what you have found challenging. So Samantha, would you start us off? Absolutely. So I am 16 years old. I have been homeschooled uh, well, I was public schooled for first and second grade, but I've been homeschooled for eight years now. Um, something I really enjoy about homeschooling is um, you can take the specific needs of the student and then tailor the entire curriculum to fit their needs instead of in a public school setting where the teacher has 20 students that they have to um, accommodate the whole um, curriculum to. You have one student and you can tailor everything to fit what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. Um, and then one of the things that I struggle with is keeping a schedule. Great. Thank you. Maria? Yeah, I really enjoy the personalized, um, you know, the learning what you want to learn. Uh, and also the ability to make your own schedule. Um, you can really fit it around your family, um, your siblings, like being able to um, help your siblings with their school. I like that because you can learn by teaching. Um, and if you can adjust your own schedule, then you can spend that time with them. Or if you need more time in a certain subject, you can take that time so you can really learn it well. Um, I also struggle with keeping my schedule. Um, but I... I more enjoy the flexibility, the possibility of flexibility, than I struggle with it. So. Great. And, and how old are you, and how long oh. have you been? That's okay. I'm 17, and I've been homeschooled my entire life. Thank you. Caleb. Um, I am 10 years old, and what I like about homeschool is that if you're having a day where you're, you finish early or you just you can't finish something at all, you can go for a walk or just take a break. There's n you're not being, like, timed or anything. There's no, not very much pressure at all. The only thing that I struggle with with homeschool is nothing really. It's all kind of good. <laughs> I can answer for him. We have space and a lot of children running around. So 
Caleb struggles with needing privacy. Can I call it that? I've been homeschooling my entire life, so pretty fun. I am 13 years old. I've been homeschooling since I was five, which is when I was in kindergarten, first grade. Um, and what I enjoy about it is I can go at my own pace. I'm not being pressured to do something. Um, I'm actually, I actually didn't go on a summer break this year because I was, I've been going at my own pace with one of my online curriculums and I enjoy it because it gives me time to think about it. I'm not being timed on any tests. I can just, like, I, I can go at my own pace. What I don't like about it is, again, is I cannot come up with a schedule because every day is different. So, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. So, Nina, as a mother, what do you enjoy about homeschooling and what do you find challenging? Um, I'm Nina, and I have been homeschooling my kids since the beginning. Um, I got into it when they were in first grade, and I kept thinking, I'm not going to, I can't screw it up. It's just first grade, and then second grade. And then by the time third grade came around, and I had Caleb entering into the equation, already knowing how to read because his sister, he witnessed that. I was like, oh, that's how homeschool works. This is going to work. They're all here. They're seeing this. I'm in a groove, and I just kept on going. Um, the question you asked me about what's difficult is that to add to that every year is different for me. And I find that when I go into the next year, um, what are they, what's that military quote they say? You always plan the tactics for the war you just had. I feel like that's what I do every year. I plan the school year coming up based on the feedback, the struggles, the problems, the issues, the things we didn't get to, my high hopes that I wrote down. And I plan the next year accordingly, but every year changes. And just to add to that, this year I've got a rising eighth grader, I've got a rising fifth grader. The curriculum's getting real fun, real exciting, really interesting. I've got a first grader and a kindergarten, or second grader and a kindergartner coming onto the scene. So it's just, it's a constant juggling act. And so the question about the struggle is really just maintaining a loose grip on my expectations and recognizing that that's the point. It's going to be different every year. And so I see these women coming to the table, you know, with questions about homeschooling. We all have so many different answers because every year I've done it, it is so different. It looks different. We've used classical conversations. We've gone rogue. We, this is the first year Naomi did online stuff. And it's just, it's never the same. And so my, my best feedback for myself to, to, to honor that truth is to keep that list, that loose grip on my expectations and just to kind of allow, like my both my kids attested to, also flexibility for them as they're figuring out what's their rhythm, what works for them, what doesn't, reassessing almost once a month, honestly, on how we handle what is um, expected of us. Great. What's working? What isn't? What's next? Yeah. Great. Okay, so we've heard you, you addressed a little bit the next question I had, and that is... Um, or one of the next questions I had is, what kind of curricula have you used um, and kind of what worked and what didn't? So do you want to address that anymore, or should we hand it off to the kids? Oh, sure. We, uh, I'll try to be fast. Okay. <laughs> I can no, talk fast. Uh, here, wait, we've got time. Okay, Go good. Um, I started with classical conversations because I went into this really w with so many insecurities. And I have to say, 
I, was, I wasn't necessarily drawn to the classical model. My friend Annie asked me, why did you choose classical? And it was just literally because I was so insecure at my ability to be able to teach my kids that when I saw something, the first thing that came along was this co-op and a group of women who did this thing together. I was like, yes, I need help. And so that's where I came into it, so insecure. And what I found through Classical Conversations was this vibrant group of women who, and I learned about, and I remember the very first time I was at a homeschool conference, it was a Classical Conversations conference. They're talking about the classical model, this concept I'd never understood before. I was educated in a high school, very typical public education, terrible public education. Um, didn't realize how terrible it was until I got to college and was so underprepared. Um, and the lady in the, the room said, we are redeeming two generations of lost education. I'm going to cry right now because I still think about that. I still think about the reality that um, in that moment I recognized this was not just an opportunity for me to do something for my kids, but that I was going to learn alongside of them. And I was going to reinvest in learning with them and therefore grow alongside of them and become something that I wasn't offered when I was their age. And so, I mean, I'm emotional about it because I still, rem I, I have to remind myself that when things get hard, and they're getting hard, um, the stuff my daughter is going through right now, I, it's, it's, it's been thick. We've had many tears over geography. I'm sorry, geometry. <laughs> and I have to remind myself, that's what I signed up for. We're redeeming two generations of education. Um, that's where I started. And since then, coming out to Front Royal, I know we had a campus kind of fall away. Um, and we've kind of just gone, we've stuck to the classical lane. I really like it. I like the vision. I like where it's going. Um, and we've just kind of been piecing. I was looking at your chart, Miss Bascom. It was beautiful. We've been kind of piecing the best of what I've found that works for us. Um, my biggest um, contribution to that question would be to say, I look at what I can handle curriculum-wise based on what my kids need of me. In other words, if I've got to teach a second grader how to read, and I've got to also teach this dude a literature class, I can't be all the things at once. And so when I pick and choose my curriculum, I, I look at my own schedule, and I figure out which pieces do I need the most help on and which can I teach. And then when I figure out what I can teach, then they, they, I can't be at three places at once or four places at once. Does that make sense? So it really it isn't always about the best curriculum. Um, it's about m me being able to use what I need for my kids during my own day, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So I've had to throw away wonderful reading curriculums because it didn't work for me. Guess what my first grader got last year? A phonics DVD. And he went in the living room every day and watched his phonics because I didn't have that time slot. And he learned how to read. Praise the Lord. Yes. Okay. And that goes back to what a lot of what we talked about last week. Okay, last week we looked at, you know, what do I want? What's my intention here? Okay, and we talked about trade-offs. Okay, and that's what I'm hearing you, you come in with, okay, is, yes, this curriculum looks wonderful. I would love to be able to do all of this and all of this for all of my kids, but the reality is I, I can't. There's not enough of me. Okay, and so I'm going to trade off. I'm going to look and say, okay, I can do this one, and then I'm going to trade off, and I'm going to use a DVD for this one, and whatever works, right? And it all works. It works, right? It they, does. It, we're all alive at the end of the day. <laughs> the house isn't clean, but we're all alive. <laughs> all alive. Okay, so let's go to your kids on this, okay? So, um, Caleb, 
Are you aware of the different curriculums that your mom's used? No. No. Oh, okay. So when you think about the different ways that you've learned, okay, different workbooks you've had or different um, manipulatives or hands-on or activities or whatever, what do you remember that you think, wow, this really worked for me, I really loved it, and I really learned a lot? Well, I had, like, a science book, and there was a bunch of activities, so I thought this worked. So I read a chapter, I read a chapter every day. I read and set, like, activities, and I did them with my brother, so that was one thing that really worked for me the last year. Okay, thank you. Naomi? I got it from a homeschool fair. I think it was the Abeka science kit. It just, it was like real cute. They had little worksheets you could tear out, little bugs, and it was real fun. Yeah. I, so we first used classical conversations, and I really enjoyed that, where I got to go hang out with friends once a week and learn stuff. Um, I, the online program I did this year was Veritas Press. I did Omnibus One Primary, and I also really enjoyed that. That was a, history, literature, Greek and Roman philosophy kind of thing. And um, we use Saxon math. We use, uh, uh, what's, looking into reading for the language arts. Just, yeah, stuff like that. Okay, thank you. Samantha? So my mom and I have tried a lot of different things to see what would work for me and my specific needs. Um, I have also done classical conversations and the whole classical style of learning really worked for me instead of all of my tests being here are the things that you were supposed to learn from all of your classes. It was what did you take out of all of the information that we gave you and let's pour all of your time into not learning um, necessarily like the standard of what it's supposed to be, but instead, what are you taking out of this course that you're taking? So I really appreciated classical conversations, and I did that up through Challenge B. Um, and then this past year, the CC program community in Front Royal kind of fell apart. And so my mom and I did, we took, took a bunch of the curriculum from Challenge A, which would be my next um, set of classes. So I did um, Apologia for Science, and I did their physical science book on that, which really worked for me. Um, it was for a week. You read through the module, and then the next week you get to go and do all the experiments. So you get to, for the first week, study about how everything works, and then the next week you get to, you get to see it actually works like you get to observe all of the um, reactions and stuff like that um, for math math is something that I've really struggled with every child has their strengths and weaknesses of course um, and math was one thing that I wasn't very good at and I've tried um, several different courses I've tried teaching textbooks I've tried Saxon math and nothing really fit this year I found an online course it's video text online, just like a really simple course. And it's working really well for me. I watch uh, like a five to 15 minute video on the lesson. 
um, before I do the problems, and then I get to do either the even or the odd number of problems, and there are 30 problems, so I do 15. Like, I actually do 15 problems, and if I really struggle with a lesson, then I'll do the other set of problems. Um, and I take one or two tests every week, so my mom gets to see how I'm moving along. Um, for languages, with CC, they have you study Latin, and we did um, Henley Latin. I'm not really interested in doing Latin anymore because, I mean, I had to take a, a language class, but it wasn't something that I'm really going to use a lot for communicating. So I'm just going to do for um, a language this year, we're doing Rosetta Stone Spanish. We, that's just a set of DVDs that you can get offline. Um, and then you watch a little um, lecture type thing, and then you get to have conversations with the computer um, that you actually get the experience. Um, and then for literature, my mom just picks books that she read during um, the years of high school that I'm going through, and I read those books. And then I write a paper on it, like a persuasive um, essay or an expository essay, just writing about something I liked about in the book or an issue that I found that I think needs to be addressed. So. All right, thank you. And um, I will add to the chart, if one of my men will write this down for me, the um, math curriculum, because I didn't add that to our curriculum that, that you're using as well as Rosetta Stone. So, yes, Annie. So the question was, when she writes, does she use a computer or does she write with paper and pencil? So when I'm actually writing the essays, um, I use a template that was given to me my first year of challenge, challenge A, and it's, it's a program called The Lost Tools of Writing. And so it's a book, and each paper that you write, it gives you um, something to work on. So for the first paper, you're going to work on, say, parallelism. So that's using um, an adjective and then a noun. So you would do three different things. And so for my three topics, it would be my favorite colors. That's the main theme for the whole paper. I would do blue, green, and purple. Um, and then those are all nouns. Noun, noun, noun. Um, and so throughout the whole book, it gives you certain things that they want you to work on. For when you write it out, they have you write out an Annie chart. So you come up with arguments for one side, arguments for another side if you were writing a persuasive essay. Um, and that's all handwritten. Then you, you hand write out a outline and whether mom wants you to write out the rough draft or not by hand is up to the parent. I typically typed mine because it was a little bit faster for me. Um, and then you would type out your final draft and then you could save that because the, um, the writing's a little bit neater than handwriting. Thank you very much, Samantha. Maria? So the curriculum I've used like throughout my whole um, education <laughs> um, is 
Saxon, that's the one thing we've stuck with, um, Saxon math. I really appreciated that uh, for my middle school and elementary school math because it's very thorough, very repetitive, and it really you really get it in you. Um, and also, it's like, it's set. The reason I enjoyed math was because you have this, you have to do, and when you're done, you're done. <laughs> I liked math because of that. And um, that's also why I like Saxon math, because I just did a lesson a day, and then I was done. Um, in high school, it's been a lot harder for me um, keeping up with math, because, um, like, the, the Saxon curriculum, because it's so repetitive, it takes so long. And with the more advanced math, it's taking a lot longer than with the earlier math. And that's really hard for me to keep up with um, with all spending all that time on math. Um, so it, yes, it hasn't worked as well uh, with the advanced math. Um, for science, I've used Apologia. And I really like that curriculum because um, you read through the material and do the experiments, like she said, um, and they have a like a summary of the module, um, and then a test for every module and a study guide. And I really like I really like the structure they have, and it's really easy to keep on schedule because um, usually a module takes two weeks, and you can it, it's easy to keep on schedule because. Um, you can you're flexible within those two weeks, so um, yeah, that's that's helped me. Uh, for other other curriculum, we've mostly used whatever the co-op was using. So like whatever um, the teachers, my teachers in the co-ops that we've been part of, um, whatever they liked to teach from, that's what I've used to learn. Um, that was I think that was mostly. Mostly curriculum they made up. I, I did Apologia in the co-op too. Uh, for, but in elementary school and middle school, most of my learning, other than math, most of my learning was what I chose to learn. And um, that was mostly through reading. So I got all, like almost all my history and everything just from reading books. And that was no set curriculum. I learned, yeah, I learned, I literally, I learned reading, writing, uh, grammar, uh, spelling, all of that just from reading, no curriculum. Great. And, and Maria, um, let me think my question here. So you mentioned your co-op, and what co-op is that? It's Spirit Co-op. It's in Edinburgh. Okay, thank you. Um, and when you said reading, so are you talking about reading textbooks or are you talking about like reading real books? Mostly, mostly historical fiction. That was what I really enjoyed reading. And um, so, uh, oh, <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> um, well, I did like Jana Oak, but um, then I got kind of bored of the same kind of the same story every time. Uh, and I'm kind of, I don't really remember the authors so much as the books. Okay, thank you very much. All right, so let's take a look at this ask, this question here. So, what about friends? 
thing that I'm always asked about homeschoolers is that they're poorly socialized. And I have to chuckle, because I like to say, when I meet a young person, I can usually tell within the first minute whether they're homeschooled or not. Because when they're homeschooled, they will look me in the eye, they will converse with me on an intelligent level for their age, okay? When I watch them in a group, I will see them socializing with people who are older, elderly, little, handicapped, um, awkward in social settings. I just see them very comfortable in whatever situation they're in. So I'll ask you kids, okay, that question. So what if somebody said to you, okay, you're homeschooled, well, what about your friends? Since you don't go to school, how do you meet other kids? And what do you do together? Caleb, would you like to start? Do you have any friends, Caleb? Yes, I have friends, thankfully. So how do you meet your friends? Um, well, they it happens a lot just by if my mom's, if, uh, sorry, not my mom's, if my mom meets someone else like in a gym or in some place, like I had a friend, she volunteered to do, um, she volunteered to babysit me and Naomi, so that's how I became friends with my friend Uriel. And then there is, how did you guys become friends? Because however they became friends is how me and Luke are friends. So his mom is the master orchestrator of his friendships. No, that's not necessarily true. We do have a lot of friends from church, right? Flames, homeschool oh, tell sports. Us, uh, Caleb, right? tell us a little bit about Flames Theater. But first, let me introduce Flames to people. Flames is Flames Homeschooling, Sports, and More. Okay, so they have a ton of different sports that homeschoolers can participate in, but they also have now added some other things, and one of those is theater. So, Caleb. Um, theater is, I gotta say, my favorite flames kind of um, thing to do because I love acting, and so that was one of my favorite things. So, I think flames is a really good homeschool kind of sports because there's a lot of activities, and so yeah, that's how I met some of my friends. I've made some good friends doing flames. Theater was good just because I like being loud there. Great. I, I would say, too, add to that, that the, because we homeschool, we're a lot more flexible to be able to have friend dates and friend things and friend events and overnight stayovers because school the next day can start when we want it to start. So I would call it a robust social life because we homeschool. Do you want to add to that, Naomi? I meet a lot of my friends through church, through CC, or Flames, or if my mom knows someone from something she's doing and they have kids that are my age, for example, then I meet friends like that. Um, and, yeah, again, we're flexible so we can uh, have friends over a lot because we homeschool, and um, I enjoyed that part about homeschooling. And I'd like to add real fast because I'm talking for my kids, so I'll stop. But um, I just noticed that with my own family dynamics that the kids are close. And so when we can't get together with friends, um, I've got a, a girl and a boy, and I've, there's a three-year age difference between the two of them, and they are together, and they really enjoy each other. And I know that every family can't say that about their siblings, and I know that that may not have anything to do with the fact that we homeschool, but I do think that because 
they are with each other. They, they become friends. And I've got two other boys who are close and tight, two years difference, and they are each other's buds. And I love that if we can't have dates with other kids, they have each other. So That must have been nice during COVID-19 quarantine, huh? It, it didn't affect us too much, so I was grateful for that. Right. Okay. Samantha. So I have a very, very social life. Uh, I do lots of different things. There are lots of national um, homeschool organizations that I'm, I can be a part of. I do STOA speech and debate, so that's all of my forensics and public speaking, so I can do debate, debate mock trial. I can do moot court which is um, kind of like just a glimpse of what um, uh, like an actual courtroom would be like. I can do public speaking. Two years ago, I made it to nationals in persuasive speaking, and I made it all the way to quarterfinals. There are students from all over the United States and around the world that are homeschooled that can be um, a part of the STOA organization. And you can meet kids not only through clubs, um, which is like the group of kids that help you figure out what types of speeches you want to write and how to work on all of your debates and stuff like that. But then there are also tournaments and competitions that you can go to. Um, and it's not very expensive. It's only like $15, $20 a tournament. Um, and your kid gets to go and meet other homeschool students who are interested in the same things um, from all over the United States. So there's STOA, which is a great organization. Um, then there's FLAMES, which I'm a part of. I do cross-country, and in the cross-country program, there are over 119 runners on the cross-country team. So um, that's a lot of friends that your kids could have. I also in the area, there are a lot of um, organizations that offer opportunities for both homeschoolers and public schoolers. So I've been playing the violin for almost 10 years now, and um, SCAA, which is the Shenandoah Conservatory Academy of Arts in Winchester, they have youth and chamber orchestras that I'm a part of, and so I get to meet kids from public schools and from private schools, homeschoolers who all enjoy music and listening to the arts and stuff like that. So, Great, thank you. Maria? So um, I mostly, we meet most people through a co-op and sports. Um, our church is very small, so there's actually only one other family with kids in our church. But um, <clears throat> but I have a lot of friends in the Flames and also in our co-op. Um, the nice thing about the co-op is you, you're really, um, I don't know, everyone there is your friend. There, nobody, um, yeah, <laughs> it just works out that way. Uh, you all, you all, like, you all understand each other. You're all learning the same things. And it's a small group, so you can all become really close friends. And we see them, we see each other at least once a week through the co-op. And also, again, with the flexibility of being able to spend the night, like any random night, it doesn't matter if it's a school night. I spend a lot of the nights before co-op with, with one of my friends. Um, and we, we can study together, um, do all kinds of things. Also, having the common 
the common classes um, in our co-op is really nice because we can, doing something like that together, um, first of all, it makes learning a lot more fun. And it's something that you can work through and still go through together um, and become closer friends just through school. <laughs> That's great. Thank you, Maria. And I just have to add here my own little plug. When we first moved down here from New Hampshire, I was recovering from um, my battle, my second battle with leukemia. And um, I had a hard time walking to the mailbox and back. But when I would take Samantha and her older brother to their extra flames practice, those kids just gave me my life back. They really did. I would be there, and I'd be walking. You know, they'd be doing their running, and they'd go, how are you doing, Mrs. Bascom? I said, I took three more steps today. Good for you. You beat your personal best, you know, and they were just so encouraging, and I just saw that in them throughout the time there. Those practices were run by um, high school students, and they had them all the way down to five-year-olds, and they were all included and all encouraged. And um, and yet, you know, some people might look at that and say, yeah, but then you hold back the ones who can super achieve. No. Samantha's brother. Go ahead. Um, so the great things, thing about Flames is we get kids who, on the cross-country team, we get, have kids who can't even walk a full mile, and that's about as much cardio as they can handle. And everybody's rooting along for them, the whole high school girls team. We have some girls who aren't very strong with their running and stuff like that. So we'll walk alongside of them, and if we end up finishing uh, our run before they do, then a bunch of us girls will run out and finish their section with them. So it's really encouraging. So we have kids who are really struggling with sports, but then also this past year we sent like seven or eight kids to the Junior Olympics, um, the national competition. My older brother did the decathlon, which has like pole vaulting and stuff like that, which is another great thing about homeschooling because with the public school system in the area, you aren't allowed to do things like pole vaulting or throwing the javelin, which are really fun activities to do. Yes, they are dangerous, and that's why the public school systems won't provide the insurance. But with flames, if your child is interested in doing that and you are um, comfortable with them competing in those areas, then your kids are allowed to learn it. Um, our um, insurance program allows that, um, so we're allowed to do stuff like that, widening our range of opportunities because we're not restricted into the few things that the public school system provides. And my question to her brother was, well, how can you do the decathlon? Who's going to teach you how to pole vault? There's nobody in flames who knows how to do that. He goes, I'm a homeschooler, Nanny. We will figure it out. And they did. So... That was really cute. And so I'm going to take that um, on to another, a slightly different topic here, and that is for you homeschoolers who are high schoolers um, in the high school at this point, are you planning to attend college? And if so, how are you preparing for college? And 
do you know what's being done about diplomas or transcripts and things like that? Uh, yes, I'm planning to go to college. I'm looking at um, going into nursing. Um, planning for that, <laughs> uh, the biggest thing right now is um, doing the SAT tests and um, making sure that I have the right um, the right uh, high school courses, like the right uh, sciences and stuff that I need to go into nursing, what I want to do. Um, as far... Um, <laughs> I definitely want to go to a Christian school. Uh, that's my top priority. And then there are things like within the nursing program, uh, some states are better than others because of flexibility and stuff. I don't have a specific school that I'm looking at, um, not, not yet at least. Okay, thank you. Sam? Um, so for me, I am most certainly planning on going to college um, and how I'm preparing for that. Uh, one of the great things about homeschooling, as I said before, is you can tailor your whole curriculum to fit your needs. So I am in math is not one thing that I'm interested in carrying on. Like I'm not really pouring myself into that. Instead, I enjoy the fine arts. Musical therapy is what I'm planning on um, going into after I graduate from college. And so instead of taking like going up through calculus too. I don't need calculus when I'm working with um, special needs students, helping them learn music to get through hard situations. So I get to learn, instead of taking harder math courses, I can take um, more in-depth courses on cultural history and um, the science of psychology and biblical psychology and worldview psychology, seeing how those relate and connect. So I get to take, I get to take courses and classes that will make me look interesting to colleges that I want to go to. Um, and as for the colleges that I'm looking at right now, Radford University is one thing that I'm really looking into. Um, Arizona State University is another one that I'm looking at. Uh, in order to go into musical therapy, you have to have you have to go to a school and get a degree from a school that is approved by the National Association of Musical Therapists. And there aren't that many in Virginia, but um, my dad and I have been looking at a bunch of colleges that offer it recently. Um, unfortunately, uh, the Association of Musical Therapists they don't. Um, they haven't approved very many Christian schools, so it's going to be hard for me to find a good Christian school. But um, one of the things that my dad and I are doing about uh, the religion, if we're going to a um, like a state school or something like that, is looking for Christian community around the school to see what that's like and whether there are good churches that we like and a strong community around the area. And as for a transcript, I have no idea what my mom's doing. I know that there are answers because my older brother, um, he's going into his senior year. And um, they've got all that set out for him. Um, currently, he's more focused on getting a full-ride scholarship to certain schools than going to the schools that have accepted him already. And I have something to add to um, uh, 
with preparing for college, um, I, since I know what I want to what I want to do in college, I can already start taking. I know you can do this in public school too. You can start dual enrolling, but I think it's easier in um, in homeschool dual enrolling and um, already knocking out some of the classes that you need to do for the degree you want. And also, if you, even if you're not dual enrolling, you can still take classes towards your career. Like I'm thinking about bec uh, doing a CNA program, which is a s becoming a certified nurse assistant in high school so that during college, I have that experience of being a nurse assistant and I can work as a nurse assistant. So when I get out of college, I'll know what my assistants have done, have been through. So I can get that already done in high school. And I will say that I know that um, colleges nowadays are, uh, not only are they very um, accepting of homeschooled students, and there are ways that you don't necessarily have to have a, trans a transcript. Um, your scores on your SATs carry more weight sometimes because of that, but there are many different ways to do it, and a lot of colleges are now um, seeking out homeschooled students because they have learned how to learn, and they know that when they come in, by and large, they have great track records for that. Hold on just a minute. Come on up, Annie, and use a microphone. I shared with you about my daughter, Rachel, earlier. I also have a 20-year-old son who chose not to go to college. However, um, we did he did apply to go to school and was accepted in three schools. That was kind of mom's, you know, like, okay, everybody's going to apply to three schools, you know. Anyway, um, and there are some schools that are very accepting of homeschoolers and don't even question you. There are other schools, however, where you will jump through hoops and you need to be prepared to jump through hoops. I had a school that required me to write my philosophy of home education as well as an explanation as why I had chosen to homeschool my child. Um, my child did get into that school. It was the um, Savannah College of Art and Design in Savannah, Georgia, which is not, um, it, it, it is lacking in some accreditation, but they made me jump through hoops. So I'll just warn you in advance, as you get into high school years, you do have to explore these things as parents, and you do have to be aware. My son is now actually considering going to school next year, and he's considering a school that is part of the um, University of New York system, and I've started to look into their hoops, and they have a lot of hoops as well. So, and I, so even though some schools are becoming more accepting of homeschoolers, other schools are becoming a little more rigorous in their um, evaluation of homeschoolers. So you do kind of need to be prepared and just kind of keep good records. Um, one other thing going off of uh, how, home, how often homeschoolers are accepted and how successful they are after college, there is a college in Percival. It's a very, very, very small Christian co college. It's called Patrick Henry College. Um, they are really focused on the forensics and um, government and journaling and um, they have several of their students are interns in the White House and they've got um, assistants for Supreme Court justices that have graduated from that school and 
almost all of the kids who are accepted into that school have all been homeschooled. Um, so if you're worried about, well, what if my kid wants to be a lawyer? Yes, they can be very successful as homeschoolers if they're planning on going into law or forensics. Or whatever. The, I think the key word is be prepared. Okay, realize, don't wait until your child's a senior to figure out how you're going to make this work. Okay, but you don't have to figure it out when they're five either. Okay, so... Great, thank you very much. I'm gonna ask one more, I'm gonna ask two more questions. One, the first one is going to be, how do you structure your homeschooling day? And I'm gonna just turn that over first to Nina and then to our high school students because they're more independent about their own scheduling. Well, to start off, I'll do the, the tactical. Um, my very best thing I had and have had used in a homeschool is bought a massive uh, blackboard. I painted it on my dining room wall. The entire wall was a blackboard. And the beginning of the school year, pretty much the beginning of every like chunk, I would say I divide my school year into three um, different um, approaches. I heard this from Julie Bogart from The Brave Learner, and I was like, that's what we do. I feel so validated. It's classical in the fall when all the books are bought, shiny and pretty, when the blackboard looks good and the schedule's written and the time blocking is good and everyone has fresh energy. It's unit study in the winter when we're all home and we're cooped up. And so we pick a unit, we do a craft, we destroy the dining room, and then it's unschooling in the spring. And that's when we get outside and when we do a lot more of the sciences or the exploration. I do a lot of poetry tea because it's, we want to be outdoors. So I kind of, the, 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 bigger, the bigger snapshot for me, it helps when I, when I think about how my school year is going to look like, is I try to put the most rigorous academic stuff in the beginning. Um, that way we have a head start, that way we can get to it, that way, again, we're fresh. Um, and then, of course, we kind of go into more of the indoor stuff and then, and then the outdoor stuff in the, in the spring. And so that helps me. Uh, again, I talked earlier about expectation management. It also um, it honors my energy in the school year, for sure. Um, but really, I think that the thing that work, has worked the most for me is, is the time blocking method. And there's a lot of different methods people will tell you. Um, I tried buying all my kids' planners, and that doesn't work. I'm managing their planner. I'm checking with them, and we're all on different pages. That doesn't work for me. So what, what worked for me was time blocking, where I literally have each child's name, and then I look at each chunk of time. I don't even do... I don't even do time. I don't go 9 o'clock. I go early a.m. and then a.m. And then you do late a.m. And then you have lunch. And then I do after lunch. And then I do afternoon. Anyway, what that does for me is it relieves the pressure of me from being that mom that's like, it's 1130. Why aren't you done with that assignment? Um, it just says, hey, you know what? We're going to keep rolling with this. You have until lunch to finish it. It just it, 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 That's helped me personally. Um, so sort of that time blocking. And then when I am organizing my kids' time block, and I have, let's just say, the early AM block, I know what I'm personally doing. I know where my attention can go. And so usually that's, that's the time when I give my two older kids refresh during the day, or refresh in the day. It's morning. I give them their most rigorous activity. And um, for my older, it's the things they can do without me. And so I manage my own time just knowing that I, I said this before, I can't be three places at once. And so I insert myself in the schedule first, and then I organize my kids' day around where I can be. And I also make sure that they know what's expected of them. They know what they do after lunch. This kid goes over there. This kid goes up to his room because he needs the time to himself. And so that just keeps us in a rhythm. And then, again, the last thing is just 
holding that expectation loose because we're homeschoolers. Things come up. Things happen. Personal stuff rises. We're a family. We all have to adjust. Someone's sick one day. And so I really do reassess almost every month where I look back and go, did that work? Did we actually even get through that? Did that afternoon time block just completely get wasted because nobody, uh, we all took longer for lunch every single day. We need more time. I just find that, um, that, and I'll, I'll end with this because I think this is really important. As, as moms and dads are trying to figure out this thing called homeschool and it becomes very much about the curriculum and what they're going to do and making sure their kids hit the marks and making sure the books get done and the, it, it can become very stressful. And the biggest thing I, that I have learned as of lately is just to monitor the temperature of my home. And if we're not having fun, we have to stop. And I've really, really relished sort of almost like a new awakening from, from what I was doing before where I was feeling a lot of pressure and stress um, to then realizing this is my chance to be with my kids and to cultivate a house and a household that is dedicated to learning. I literally, I, this last year, I, I call it destroyed my living room. I took my, my, my coffee table. It used to try to keep it decorative with baskets that looked nice. And I filled them with crafts and crayons. And we overhauled the bookshelves and we threw a bunch of books. And I, I, I just, I got my kids in the space, involved in the space. We live every day in our home and I don't tidy up until five o'clock <laughs> because it's just, it's so important to me that my kids feel comfortable in their environment, that we can learn, that we don't, we're not at each other's throats, that I'm not the mom that's stressed out. And that has transformed our school and our experience more than any schedule has. Um, it's just the attitude that I want my kids to delight in the process. Um, I only get, I get this time with them and it's so precious and I want learning to be, be fun. And so without it sounding like I'm not an academic mom, maybe I'm not as much, but I, I just want us to delight in one another, and I think that's the beautiful thing. Um, that is my tip. And, yes. and that is what I can say about Nina, too, because she responds when I call or text her and say, I know this is late, but how would you and your kids like to come and participate in a panel? great opportunity for your kids to get up in front and to give to their community and she goes yes we can do that and they're here and they're here tonight yay fabulous teacher at home absolutely okay and so the big thing is you can do it folks you can do it okay it may not always look exactly the way you think it was going to and it will never look the way somebody else thinks it should but that is okay, because your kids will learn, and they'll know that you care about them, and they'll be ready for life. Samantha. So, as I said in the beginning, holding a schedule is very difficult for me. Um, when we were little, Mom, uh, she had, we have three kids. I'm 16, my older sister is 17, and my older brother is 18. So when we were little and at the preschool, kindergarten age, she would just have us do um, activities, and she would put on history stories, like um, stories, of, stories of the world, which was the history curriculum that we did when we were younger. Um, and then we would do coloring pages for each of the lessons that we would do. And we would just fit snacks in, and we would um, kind of just do activities rather than reading a whole bunch of books and doing work pages. 
Um, but as we as we have gotten older, we've learned she's learned the needs of each and every one of her kids. For me, I have to start as um, Mrs. Elliot said with the hardest subjects first. So I do. I wake up, have a big healthy breakfast so I can wake up my brain. And then right after breakfast, I do my math, which is the hard hardest subject. Then I'm not a reader. I don't really enjoy reading that much. So if I have a book due that week, then after math, I'll take a 30 to 45 minute break or go for a run, go for a walk, have a little snack, something like that, uh, play some music. And then I'll do... Um, reading, so it could be half hour reading or it could be an hour and a half of reading, um, depending on how far I get in the book and um, it, whether I get into a groove, whether I'm kind of like just flowing through it, whether it's become easy for me. Um, then after that, it's I do a fun subject, so science, because I've just did two really hard subjects for me. I'll do something that I really enjoy to make me feel good about myself, like I've just succeeded at something. Um, and then we'll have some lunch. Something that's really worked for me is taking an easy subject or if I need to talk to my mom about something and have a conversation and I need to her to sit down and help me with something, we'll do that over lunch because we can sit down and eat our food and then we can also um, complete another thing on our to-do list. Something that also helps with scheduling is um, coming up with ways to motivate yourself. So for me, I like feeling accomplished, like I've actually succeeded at something, so I make a checklist. And every time I check something off, I'm like, oh yeah, I just completed that. Um, so in a sense, kind of just fitting everything to work for the needs of your student. Um, so if your student really, if they aren't really awake and um, attentive in the morning, maybe do a lighter subject in the morning um, so that they have time so that their brain can wake up and it's not really hard and heavy in the morning. Instead, do something hard in the afternoon after lunch and they've been awake for a little while. Um, so just work the schedule to fit to your students' needs. Thank you, Samantha. So when I was younger, um, we had a very a very uh, loose sketch, well, I don't know. <laughs> we had a lot less subjects, of course. So in the morning, we all started together with family prayers. And then after that, we would do another subject that we all did together. For example, my brother and I did spelling together. Um, and then we would go do something separate. Um, and then lunch was another time we were all together. And then after lunch, we would do another subject that we do together. So family prayers and lunch were times when we were all together anyways, and then after that we could do our subjects that we were studying together um, so that we don't have to like regather. Um, and also it was good to have those separate like times of the day when you're done whatever subject you were doing. Like it doesn't get drawn out throughout the entire day. It just, it stops at lunchtime. So that was helpful when I was younger. Of, like I said, I was doing a lot of reading, so that was what I filled up all my free time with, or my free time. <laughs> um, now in high school, uh, again, I'm doing the harder subjects in the morning because that's when I can, my brain is awake. <laughs> um, again, we're starting with uh, family prayers and then that has a set time. Uh, you have to, you have to be there. You have to be up. 
and then you can uh, you can really start your day that way. Um, it, it helps to have something in the morning where you have to start at a certain time because otherwise you could just wait until the morning's gone. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we did the harder subjects and then the easier subjects in the afternoon when you're more tired. But And oh, also um, what helps with my scheduling is following the co-op, we, we meet once a week so I have all of my uh, all of my school that I have to finish that week. I can divide between the different days, whichever, however it fits best for me. I can leave a day open for babysitting or doing an activity with my family, or I can change the entire schedule and finish all my all my school within the first three days, and then have two free days to do um, whatever whatever I want with my family or whatever. I'd say. Um for older students, uh, like she was talking about, having a deadline. Um, for your older students, if you have older students, it's really important if you have an assignment, like a paper for them to write or a test for them to take or you want them to get through this math lesson, you need to give them the deadline and then maybe remind them every once in a while. It does get annoying when you remind them every five minutes that they have a paper due. Um, but um, as teenagers, we like to be a little bit more independent. So instead of you giving us a whole schedule that we need to follow, give us deadlines. Um, and then if I'm having a great day and my mind just comes up with everything I want to write in a paper within an hour, then I can complete it the first day and then I don't have to work on it the next three days because I've already finished that um, objective. That's something that really helps with older students. Yeah, that's another thing. Um, having like weekly deadline was deadlines were was really helpful for me, because if you're having a day where you're just tired, you just can't get anything done. You don't have to. You you're not pressured to do that, and you can just relax, reset your mind, and then the next day you'll be a lot more fresh to knock it out. Great time management skills, huh? Life skill that's really important. Okay, we're going to wrap it up with this, and that's kind of one thing. We've got some homeschoolers, people who are thinking about homeschooling out here. And what is one piece of advice that you could give to someone just beginning to homeschool? And you may choose to give that advice to the parent, or you kids can choose to give that piece of advice to another kid who might be starting homeschooling. Who would like to start? Sam? I can start. Um, I'd say that the most, this is for both parents and prospective students, the most important part of homeschooling is willing to push through. Like you have to actually be willing to fight through all the tears of, no, I don't want to wake up at such and such a time in the morning to do math, but if I want to actually succeed, I have to be willing to wake up early, and I have to be willing to work hard at all my subjects, because um, in the public schools, you have students who can be really dedicated to their schoolwork, but the parents aren't always aware of what the kids are learning in school and the, s the teachers don't always, can't always um, 
help with the specific needs. So if the parents are really involved in their homeschoolers' education and if the students are willing to work hard, then homeschooling is going to succeed. Who would like to go next? I have young kids, so my advice isn't academically rigorous at all. It's actually to schedule moments of delight. Um, that's one thing that I've really been challenging myself to do when we're home and the home is always a mess. There's always a meal to make. There's always a meal to clean up after. There's always a kid that needs you. There's potty training and there's so much going on. We're juggling this thing and we're trying to get through our homeschool day. It's really easy for a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month to go by. And we've got the book work done. We got the lesson done. We finished our books on tape. We went back to the library with very not terrible late fines fees. And yet we don't have anything memorable. And so for me, I really want my kids to, when I ask them, what did you like about last year? The stuff they come up with, the stuff they say, it's usually the stuff that happened on that random Friday when mom was too tired to actually do school. It was the volcano we made. It was the, uh, we went into Rome one time and made our own cement. I ruined a pot, had to throw it away, but we made Roman roads and mosaics and I have these rocks in the garden. That's the stuff they remember. And that, unfortunately for me, is the step I have to schedule because most of the time I don't feel like doing it. It's the going out in your car as homeschoolers. It's really hard for us to get out the door and go blueberry picking because it's in season and coming back home and making a mess of the kitchen and making a pie. It's, we didn't even do it last year. It was on our board the whole year. We never made a pie. And so for me, I have to schedule moments of delight because that's, to me, is the, some of the most important things and why I chose to do this thing called homeschool. Because I want my kids to be with me. I want us to do this thing together. So the books, the lessons, all that stuff will come. And, and, and you guys are in high school, so we're going to have to switch gears to where you're at very soon. But for me, as with a with house full of young kids, I want this to be really enjoyable for all of us. And I have to make sure, I have to make sure that happens. Um, because it's really easy to let that stuff go. Moments of delight. A wise teacher makes learning a joy. Naomi, can you give one piece of advice to kids who maybe are just starting out in homeschooling? Um, well, <laughs> we can come back to you. Do you want us to come back? Okay, Caleb, are you ready? No. Maria. So I was going to say, don't get behind in math because math is like the core of everything else. But I also want to say, do, s do stuff you enjoy because homeschool with homeschooling, you have the opportunity to learn literally whatever you want decide you want to learn. You can decide if you don't want to do a traditional, um, in, in, in general, if you don't want to do a traditional science, for example, you can do something completely unnormal and if you enjoy it um, then you'll probably learn a lot more than if you did something a science for example that you weren't really interested in great either of you kids have anything um, it, uh, the nice thing about homeschooling is you can pick what you want to learn if you wanted to be let's just say an interior designer and build houses when you grew up and um, then you would want to go to college to learn how to, like, do um, geometry and stuff. But the public school, and I'm not saying this is bad, then you learn, like, just you focus on a lot of other subjects, which is aside from what you want to do. And that's not bad, but 
thing about homeschooling is you can also focus on your favorite subjects and what you find joy in. Naomi spent more hours than I care to admit crafting out of cardboard Barbie dream houses. We're up to a four-layer story. Anyway, it's, it's, it's been fun to watch that creativity come out and then to have the time in the day to allow her to spend hours and hours crafting cardboard. We think she's going to be an architect. We'll see. So basically what Naomi was saying was in public schools, there are core classes that you have to take. You have At the end of high school, you have to have taken so many um, classes in uh, language, in literature, in math, in sciences. But with homeschooling, yes, you do have to do math and literature and science, but you get to choose what courses in those areas you want to take. Like, I don't want to take calculus, so instead I can put my hard subjects into something I, I'm actually going to use in the future. Which right now is her own business. Samantha has a new business called Tailored Moments, Dining by Design. She is a gourmet chef, and so if you're looking for a safe place to come and dine, Go on the website, diningbydesign2020.com. And part of the math there is that she is learning how to keep books, do a budget, figure out cost versus expense. An example, of, and thank you for pointing that out, another example of being able to choose your own curriculum Typically, freshmen in high school do not normally take business and economics. Like, that's not something that most high schoolers would take. Like, you might take that as one of your extra classes, but it's not something that's typically required. But my parents thought that I would be able to use it in the future, and look at me now. I, I can now have a restaurant. Uh, so my wonderful grandparents are currently letting me use an extra unused part of their house, like a sunroom, and it's a private area. Um, there's a beautiful view of the gardens and the chickens that made, that laid all the eggs that I use, and um, it's just a really beautiful area. Yep, so they come there to eat, and I make every, all of the produce comes from my garden. Um, and I get the eggs from my chickens, and if we're using beef. I have some meat cows that we have butchered, and we have those that are in the freezer currently. So it's all very, very fresh, homegrown. There's no, um, like, artificial stuff that I use. It's, it's all very natural and organic. So that's just an example of somebody following their interest there and... Uh, creating it, and part of that came from her experience that she had when she was 13, and her grandfather took her for a very special time at, the, at a tea house, and she wants to build those kind of memories for people, and she thought during COVID-19, people can't go out to eat, um, and even now, you can go out, but you want to go out and sit in this weather on an outside? Yeah, yeah, so anyways... And uh, Caleb, did you want to add anything, or are you all set? 
one piece of dice, you're all set. All right, can we give these wonderful people a wonderful round of applause? That was wonderful. We really appreciate them coming out and um, giving up their evening to um, speak to you all. And so we're just going to close up with um, just a, a referral to um, something that you have as a handout and will be on the um, website. And that is I've started, and we will continue to add to this as new things come to our attention. Um, homeschooling resources. Um, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association is definitely something that you need to be aware of and to go take a look at all the wonderful resources they have in um, advice in terms of what you need to do legally. And we will be addressing that more on Thursday, our next homeschooling um, session. The other one is the Homeschool Educators of Virginia that you also need to become aware of. And then we've given you various um, Facebook accounts and other places for you to go to for resources. And then we have some upcoming events. On um, this coming Thursday, we will have our, like I said, our next homeschooling session with legal requirements and basics for beginners. And that will be here with a guest speaker of Stephanie Malo Short. On Saturday, the 25th, at the Rockland Park in Front Royal at 6.30, they are doing a homeschooling um, introduction, similar, I guess, to what we're doing here. I've just seen it on the um, Warren County and surrounding area school um, Facebook page, another invaluable resource. On the 21st to the 23rd, that's starting tomorrow, and I think you have to register by tonight, um, there's Homeworks by Precept, and it's a free nationwide online event, three-day event, where you'll have, and if you go to the Warren County and surrounding area homeschool Facebook page, you'll get all the information there. And then um, the Flames Homeschool, is doing a used curriculum sale on the 28th. That'll be a week from tomorrow um, at Virginia Hills Church from 9 to noon. And you can access that information on their Facebook page. So thank you all for coming. And we'll hopefully see you next Thursday.